Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're following up on what has quickly become a very, very interesting story with one of the biggest game developers in the world, Bungie and their Destiny 2 product. Now, if you haven't been following along with the story and us here in Virtual Legality, we've got a couple of videos you can check out before you touch on this one. The first of which happens when Bife, one of Destiny's major creators here on YouTube, gets struck and, quite frankly, gets very angry about it on social media. And I took that time to talk about what I saw as an issue, not just with Bungie, but with other companies putting quote-unquote guidelines for how you can use their intellectual property that don't actually afford you an intellectual property license in their legal documents themselves. I then followed up on this when a number of content creators reached out to me with some information that they had from the alleged fraudulent takedown notices that apparently impacted Bife and others, which we went over in that video. Now, with that all said, before we get into the substance of what are major, major updates today, I do want to have a special call out for someone that has been, quite frankly, calling me out on social media. And that is a lawyer by the name of Mike Dunford at Quest Authority, who quite frankly disagrees with my take on the legal documents that Bungie is using and in my aggressiveness towards protecting folks from those legal documents since they aren't causing the difficulties that Mike Dunford sees. Now, I've said in virtual legality in the past, you get two lawyers in a room, you're probably going to come up with two wildly different opinions. It's the nature of the beast. It's why we call it the practice of law. So as I always say here, if you are interested in checking out other perspectives, uh, Mr. Dunford here has a perspective that is pretty different from mine and is no stranger to calling me out on social media about it. So he says, some of that confusion was added, I think, by some readings of Bungie's initial efforts to explain what was happening that were, in my opinion, unnecessarily antagonistic and puts my tag here about the question of whether or not Bungie actually asked their IP police, CSC, to go after certain content creators. Now, I still think that question is important. I think it's even more important after what we're going to talk about today, but Mike doesn't. And so he is a content creator himself. Go check out his stuff. He is a very well-thought, well-spoken individual, even when he and I disagree. Now, I do want to point out that I am still firm, despite Mr. Dunford's best efforts, in my contention that what Bungie is doing and what a whole host of other publishers are doing is a problem for content creators. This guidelines document that says, in its final line of its first paragraph, nothing in these guidelines should be interpreted as permission to use Bungie's IP don't actually afford the safe harbor that content creators think they do. They're subject to removal at any time. They are qualified by all of these generalies throughout the document, and you will hear me talk about that more fulsomely in those earlier videos. But most prominently, what these YouTube creators rely on is this notion here under media that if a chosen video on demand service enables players to monetize their content, like with ads that are probably on a video like this one, we will generally not request a takedown if at least 20% of the content within the video has been created by the player. The issue with that setup is that this document, these guidelines, aren't supposed to be permission. They incorporate by reference the legal contract, the actual terms of use, and the game content usage rules specifically in the content creator's legal understanding of what they get. And then those two documents flatly contradict, including sentences like, you must comply with these terms and all of the following restrictions, including you must not use Bungie content cr to create any infringing material, which is a problem if we don't give you the license. More pertinently, you must not sell or earn any revenue or other compensation from your content, including any advertising revenue or subscription revenue. How is a content creator, how is any non-lawyer or any lawyer realistically supposed to make these two documents work together to assure that they feel comfortable that they can use the intellectual property that Bungie is giving them permission to, but saying they're not giving permission to licensing, but not licensing. And then of course, there's other weird things in their terms. You must not use the name of any Bungie games in the title of your content. Like Witch Queen? What else? Destiny? Am I allowed to identify it as a Destiny video? And in all of these videos, you must include the following notice about the Bungie content within your content. Copyright, Bungie Inc., all rights reserved. Destiny, the Destiny logo, Bungie, and the Bungie logo are among the trademarks of Bungie Inc. I have no idea how many content creators are following all these various rules because they don't appear in the guidelines that purportedly tell them what they can and can't do, but which really just provide the circumstances under which Bungie is unlikely to pursue an infringement claim. Now, I say that all as background, both so that you could check out Mr. Dunford. He's got some very interesting views, and I think he's right on a lot of things. 
but also to point out that despite this being the third video in the series, everything I just said is probably upended by what Bungie did on March 24th. So let's get into it. First and foremost, this week at Bungie, TWAB, they talk about this issue a little bit. And this came out after I did my most recent video. I know a number of commenters didn't realize that and were taking me to task on various other things, which is totally fine. Disagreement is welcome in this space, but it did come out after I made that video. And Bungie offers its own perspective on what happened. They say, we're gonna offer you clarity into our terms of service regarding in-game behaviors and talking about a recent wave of strikes against the Destiny 2 content creators. I read that and I said, that's fantastic. To be fair, I also got linked to it about a hundred times from folks that had watched my videos. So that's fair as well. Here are their takedown clarifications. Some of the takedowns in the past have been legitimate violations of our established standards. Many recent strikes were issued for content that does not violate those terms. And then they put up this particular tweet. And this tweet is the one that got my questions and which Mr. Dunford characterizes as overly aggressive, which is totally fine. That's a subjective viewpoint. But here's the issues that I have, right? They say, we're aware of a series of copyright takedowns on YouTube and we're actively investigating. This includes content on our own Bungie channels. These actions are not being taken at the request of Bungie or our partners. Please stand by for future updates. And this is put out there on March 20th, so about three weeks into March, where they say these actions, a series of copyright takedowns to which these refers, are not being taken at the request of Bungie or our partners. Now, this is an important part of the story because Bungie's going to change its tune a little bit. And they were playing a little fast and loose with the language here. Now, a lot of what I'm going to talk about in this video is very positive towards Bungie. I like Destiny. I like playing Destiny. I don't love the business model. I like Bungie as a company overall. It's going to be very positive, but I'm still going to point out Bungie fans who are going to come into the comments. No problems there, but I'm going to point out the areas where I think they are playing a little fast and loose, and there are a couple of them. One of which is, as we will see, there was a whole host of takedowns that Bungie put out contemporaneous to the fraudulent takedowns, and effectively they combined them and told people online that none of the takedowns were real, that they didn't request any of them because they're not being very careful with their language. Now, they're trying to do things fast. They're trying to address what they think is a crisis behind the scenes. So we're going to give them leeway. But when I ask the question, did you authorize someone to strike things and they don't answer and I get called out in various places, it is not to create an enemy of Bungie. It is simply to say, Hmm, I have seen in the past companies have overzealous IP policing actions. Sounds like that could be happening here. Talk to me. And of course they don't, which is of course their prerogative, but we shall see that they were in fact striking a whole lot of things at the very same time. And in fact, they're going to blame those strikes on what happened. We also included a link to our intellectual property guidelines, which can be found here. The most recent wave of takedowns was peculiar. And upon further investigation, we have confirmed that they included some takedown actions from fraudulent accounts. So here they're walking back their stance a little bit. Hey, some of the takedowns were fraudulent. We're not going to mention the fact that that means implicitly that some weren't. Google has confirmed that the accounts that have submitted fraudulent legal requests to YouTube have been terminated and will no longer have access to Google products. We wanted to clear up a few misconceptions caused by this fraud. CSC is a Bungie partner. So now we know specifically when they say that their partners haven't done something, they are in fact referring to their contractor CSC, that aids in IP protection did not go rogue or issue any unauthorized takedowns. They weren't just given carte blanche. Bungie does not use or authorize algorithmic takedowns. All actions by CSC are reviewed and authorized by Bungie. So what Bungie is saying here is important. They say, yes, we contract for, with CSC. CSC is supposed to identify things, but they have to come and ask for us before a takedown goes out. That's our process. But they do note, because these are human processes, in rare occurrences, human error has occurred in which we have quickly worked to correct any issues. Bad takedowns from us at Bungie do occasionally happen, but that's not what happened here. Bungie investigated the claims of suspicious takedowns and found that several strikes were perpetrated by a bad actor that is not affiliated with Bungie or CSC, but who has impersonated CSC by falsifying lookalike email aliases. This attack occurred after and possibly in response to a recent set of authentic takedowns of OST uploads. So they're already clarifying here on March 24th that maybe their earlier tweet was a little broad. Most of the recent takedowns carried out by us were for uploads 
of original soundtrack music content. While it's not permitted to take a soundtrack we release and upload it to your channel, there has been feedback from the community about the desire to access music that is not currently available. In fact, if you were watching this story as it happened, one of the things you would have seen were that people were sad about music channels dissolving at the same time that the My Name is Bife channels were having their difficulties as well. So what appears to have happened is these all got muddled together and Bungie really did intend to strike the music channels and didn't intend for the rest of it all to happen. But because the music channels have proven important to them, because there was a community outrage just for what happened to the music content, Bungie is looking to move forward and change their guidelines with respect to music. It says, going forward, we will be allowing certain Destiny music tracks to be uploaded to channels for archival purposes if... They can't have already been released as songs. They cannot be monetized as channels. And you actually need to go outside the terms of use and get separate permission from Bungie expressly by going to this licensing at bungie.com email. So they're adding in the ability to have what amounts to music archive channels. They will behind the scenes probably have to do some things with their music licensing, depending on how and where that is created outside their company through different composers, what that looks like. God knows we have talked about composing issues with Bungie before, although it's a long time ago at this point. Then we get a note that I personally like, because as I said, I find their, specifically their two strongest documents, their terms of use and their intellectual property policy guidelines to be very complicated and very ambiguous when read together. They say, because this is important to the future of the game and the future of our community, we have been working to update our community guidelines messaging to make our boundaries as a business clearer so that you, the creators, can make the content your souls crave without fear. We will share the updated resource with you all when those changes are finalized. And you can bet we will be covering that here in Virtually Gouted because I'm very interested to see if they spend the time actually synthesizing and making sure that those two major documents, where you get the license to do things and what Bungie says you can do with them are combined in a way that makes sense for content creators and doesn't have all these potholes and minefields. But I did promise you that everything I just talked about wouldn't actually be necessary after we looked at what Bungie did and the This Week at Bungie blog post doesn't actually do that. What does instead is the fact that Bungie is suing the fraudulent takedown notifiers. Bungie Inc. versus John Doe's number one through 10, which as we will read through is almost Bungie versus Google slash YouTube, but it really can't be because they don't have a cognizable legal interest against that company. So instead, we're gonna spend about 30 pages together talking about how much Bungie dislikes YouTube's process for fighting fraudulent takedown notifications. And if you like those kinds of videos, well, you're in for a treat because Bungie wasn't pulling punches in terms of a legal document. They have a lot of slights. They have a lot of things that they say about YouTube uh, that may or may not be true or fully accurate. We're gonna talk about all those as we go, but Bungie put its money where its mouth was. And to the extent you're a gamer, I don't want to just disparage companies. I think their contracts have a problem but this is a very good thing that they are doing in light of the circumstances as they describe them. These are all allegations, of course. We're not in the room. We can't say whether or not these John Doe's actually did what Bungie is alleging here, but provided that they did, and we can maybe lean towards that end of the spectrum on something like this, provided that they did, the company itself, the copyright holder, are really the only ones that are going to fundamentally have YouTube pay attention to this kind of thing. So if you are a content creator, if you're a Bungie fan, stay tuned because we've got a lot to talk about in this document, which starts as follows. This action arises out of a series of fraudulent Digital Millennium Copyright Act takedown notices that an unauthorized and malicious actor or actors provided to YouTube with respect to content that supposedly infringed Bungie's copyrights in its popular and successful Destiny franchise, disrupting Bungie's community of players, streamers, and fans, and causing Bungie nearly incalculable damage. It's a good first paragraph. As discussed herein, Doe defendants were able to do this because of a hole in YouTube's DMCA process security, which allows any person to claim to be representing any rights holder in the world for purposes of issuing a DMCA takedown. In other words, as far as YouTube is concerned, any person anywhere in the world can issue takedown notices on behalf of any rights holder anywhere. A disgruntled infringer or a competitive content producer, for example, can issue takedown notices purportedly on behalf of Disney or Fox or Universal or even Google itself. 
All they need to do is fill out the video removal form, have a Google account, including, as we think happened here, one created the same day with fake information and fill out information and click verification buttons, fraudulently certifying that they have the right to submit the takedown request. Now, before we get further, I know a lot of you came to my comments and said, this is exactly the problem with YouTube. And I don't disagree. But what I do want to point out is that YouTube is responding to the incentives put forth for them by the U.S. legislature. If we go and we actually look at the DMCA itself, we see the following, right? We see a service provider shall not be liable for infringement or copyright by reason of the storage on its service if the service provider takes it down when it's notified about the claimed infringement. But it has to follow certain rules. That notification has to be Here's where the rubber hits the road by a person authorized to actually act on behalf of the owner, which you might think puts YouTube in a bad spot, but it doesn't quite. And we'll talk about why it has to identify the copyrighted work claimed to have been infringed. It has to show the material that is claimed to be infringing. It has to identify with its own information, its own address, telephone number, electronic email address. It has to say that it believes it has a good faith ability to actually issue this takedown notice. And most importantly here, it has to provide a statement that the information in the notification is accurate under penalty of perjury, that the complaining party is authorized to act on behalf of the owner of an exclusive right that is allegedly infringed. So as the Congress has put this together, the mighty DMCA, which has been the topic of a thousand thousand YouTube videos and has its own built-in foundational fundamental problems, the Congress of the United States has asked YouTube to effectively put its head in the sand and just follow along with whatever anybody clicks and whatever information they put in, right? Because YouTube can't know this. And what Congress has built in the DMCA is effectively a statement that allows a platform to rely upon it. That's what under penalty of perjury is doing here, that they have to sign off on the fact that everything they are telling you is accurate because that's a reliance interest for YouTube or Facebook or Twitter and that is supposed to protect them. So the YouTubes of the world are built on putting their heads in the sand at the request of United States law. Now I know the majority of people that follow me here in virtual legality aren't United States citizens, which still blows my mind. So you can blame the United States for this one fully, but the DMCA doesn't ask YouTube to look up, hey, is that an actual owner? Is that a real CSC address? Any or all of these things. In fact, it incentivizes them not to because it gives them a safe harbor so long as something looks like it completes everything that's necessary in the elements of notification test. It gets that safe harbor as long as it removes the content. Pretty much no questions asked. Now, Bungie rightfully, as the copyright holder says, well, this is BS. YouTube doesn't check anything. Between March 17th, 2022 and March 22, 2022, a malicious actor or actors exploited that security loophole, as Bungie frames it, to issue takedowns purportedly on behalf of Bungie to YouTubers and streamers who had, with Bungie's permission, as granted in Bungie's legal policy on media, located here, uploaded videos of their gameplay to YouTube. Now, here again, Bungie is playing fast and loose with what their documents actually do. Right? It is important for them to establish just how wrong this was from the folks that are filing these particular takedown notices. But characterizing what this document does as Bungie's permission is, as we have seen, just wrong. <laughs> Nothing in these guidelines should be interpreted as permission to use Bungie's intellectual property unless we want to frame it as such in a lawsuit. Bungie playing fast and loose, I don't blame them. Everything that they describe is something that is very bad for their company and they deserve redress, but they're going to take a number of these steps to say, hey, look, this is permission granted. And they're going to use a phrase that's going to be very, very important to content creators. Stay tuned for that. Between March 17th and March 22nd, a malicious actor or actors exploited that gaping security loophole. Security loophole wasn't good enough here. Now it's gaping. And again, this is the tenor this is going to take with YouTube to issue takedowns purportedly on behalf of Bungie, et cetera, et cetera. Using a fake Gmail address that was, upon our information and belief, we don't know for sure, but it looks like it, newly created, which did not match the addresses used by Bungie's brand protection vendor for legitimate DMCA notices, although it had similar syntax to those addresses, and upon our information and belief having been deliberately chosen so as to cause maximum confusion among recipients and lead them to believe that it was legitimate, and via notices that were otherwise inconsistent with the substance of Bungie's legitimate DMCA notices, 
Doe defendants issued a wave of takedown notices targeting non-infringing Destiny 2 videos. So these folks went out there, issued all these strikes that we didn't want to issue. This part I highlighted in red here about it being inconsistent with the way we normally do things is again a subtweet, a slant against YouTube to say, look, Anybody that follows what we do with filling out these documents at all, and CSC is no small company, would know that X, Y, or Z is not the way that we talk about these things. We don't put Bungie Inc. in the name field for who is actually issuing this takedown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they're saying this is on YouTube to a maximal extent. Using the same fake Gmail addresses that was used to issue the wave of fraudulent takedown notices, Doe defendants circulated messaging to affected uploaders that appear calculated to discredit the authenticity of takedown notices legitimately issued by Bungie's authorized brand protection vendor by claiming falsely that DMCA notices attaching the authorized vendor's email address, David Thomas CSC, were also fraudulent. Now here's where things start to get really interesting. If you followed me in this video about the update and the letter, which we will see again in this lawsuit that was given out to certain content creators that had their channels struck, what you saw was a person, which we called Jeremy, because we weren't going to use these full email addresses in that context, that blamed this David fellow for issuing false takedown notices and looked like a jilted content creator partnership or some other thing. Here, Bungie is admitting that the David address is in fact CSC, that CSC issues takedowns with this David Thompson CSC at gmail.com address and so that was actually a fraudulent takedown, according to Bungie, that was designed to confuse content creators about the actual takedowns that Bungie authorized by accusing David of being another fraudster. Mirrors within mirrors, wheels within wheels. Section 7, Doe defendants also sent abusive messages to the email address of Bungie's authorized brand protection vendor, that's CSC, and this caused Bungie significant reputational and economic damage for obvious reasons. As discussed below, the Destiny community was bewildered and upset, believing that Bungie had reneged on a promise to allow players to build their own streaming communities and YouTube channels on Destiny 2 content. Destiny community members were also misled to believe that Bungie's brand protection agent was also fraudulent, causing confusion among users as to the authenticity of legitimate DMCA notices. Bungie had to devote significant internal resources to addressing it and helping its players restore their videos and channels. An effort complicated by the fact that while YouTube has a form that allows anyone to claim to represent a copyright holder and issue copyright strikes, it has no dedicated mechanism for copyright holders who are being impersonated to let YouTube know about the DMCA fraud. As with most things, YouTube and DMCA, it's much easier to get it taken down than it is to get it put back up. And that in and of itself is part of the DMCA structure right? YouTube gets that safe harbor for a takedown, prevents an infringement claim, but because of the way its contracts work, because of the way it's protected itself, it doesn't really have liability for taking it down and not putting it back up on your request. So the slant becomes YouTube is very easy to take things down and a bit more difficult to put things back up, even if you're Bungie. And God help you if you're not a $4 billion company with a substantial intellectual property presence. Section 9, though Bungie does not currently know the identities of Doe defendants whose anonymous conduct occurred just days ago, it will discover them soon via Section 512H subpoena or otherwise. Now that in of itself is interesting. If we go to the DMCA, 512H says a copyright owner, that's Bungie, may request the clerk of any United States district court to issue a subpoena to a service provider, it's YouTube, for identification of an alleged infringer. Now that gets interesting because... What Bungie is alleging here are these false takedowns. That's what the crux of this particular action is. So they actually have to use the subpoena process on the infringement basis, assuming that this comes from somebody that was otherwise a Bungie content creator that was infringing. And we will see that's the thesis of their case, that this was somebody that was hit by their legitimate, according to Bungie, takedowns in early March, and then hit them back in mid-March using a variation on the information that was otherwise used against them in the first place. That's their thesis, and that's how they're going to try to get this information. But we'll also see in their description that they are doing this primarily because they feel that YouTube was holding back on information, which again, I'm going to have to tell you, YouTube probably should be holding back in the absence of a legal document like this one. We'll get there. I'm not trying to back up YouTube against Bungie or Bungie against YouTube. There's just issues with how this is presented. And of course, this is an advocacy piece. This is Bungie counsel asking for something. Section 10, for now though, 
And particularly given the ease with which malicious actors can exploit YouTube's flawed DMCA practice and harm Bungie's community, Bungie brings this action to recover for the Doe defendants' tortious and illegal conduct, and frankly, to demonstrate to anyone else stupid enough to volunteer as a defendant by targeting Bungie's community for similar attack, that they will be met by legal process. You don't see that every day. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the signaling effect here in virtual legality before. Why is Nintendo suing these people? Why is this lawsuit happening, especially when they don't know where they are? They're in a country where they can't get recompense. And part of that has and always will be the signaling effect, that there is a value in Gearbox or Nintendo or Atlas or Bungie to sue someone, even if they can't win something valuable in court, to show the next actor that they mean business and that there are companies that effectively pay in court for that reputation. And that's what Bungie is saying right here in paragraph 10, just for the record, regardless of how the rest of this goes, we just wanna make damn clear to everybody who might think about doing this, that we will in fact sue over this kind of thing because it's a direct damage to our community. And that's good news. If you're a fan of Bungie, if you're a fan of Destiny, if you're a fan of creating content from Bungie or Destiny, this is uh, very good for you to see that that company is willing to spend money, resources, internally, externally, on lawyers to actually go and have this fight when they maybe didn't have to if they weren't so interested in taking it up. Here we see a reference to Destiny 2's limited software license agreement, which is a document I haven't gone over because it's not terribly interesting. They are going to use it to establish personal jurisdiction over their lawsuit. And then we get background. I don't think we need to go too deep into this. I think we all know what Destiny 2 is, but they describe it as a shared world online first-person shooter. And members of the Destiny 2 community do more than just play the game. Content creators build fan followings of their own for their gameplay or commentary, which is often streamed to followers and subscribers. Instead, Bungie's income stream from the Destiny 2 game is entirely based on additional content gamers choose to buy. Here they're saying that it's not just selling the next product, that this is a continuating thing. Continuating being, of course, a real English word. That this is a continuous thing that gamers interact with, and it's not just the next product. So it's more important that the court should take it under more advisement because this is a different kind of model than maybe the court is used to. Section 23, thus unlike a more typical model in which companies earn income by retailing individual copies or downloads of games, Bungie generates revenue from Destiny 2 if, and only if, its players find the game experience so compelling and enjoyable that they want to buy additional content. As a result, the level of connection and community that Bungie's players share directly affects Bungie's bottom line. And I don't really know that that's unique to Destiny. I think this is a totally fine way of describing what Destiny is, but certainly all sorts of communities with all sorts of business models are very, very important. If you have somebody issuing false takedown notices within that community, that's going to be an issue for most business models. Now we get section two entirely, Bungie's intellectual property policy and enforcement they say they have all these IPs and that they have adopted a comprehensive policy governing players' use, display, and performance of Bungie's copyrighted works. As noted in its intellectual property policy, as we've read through now a number of times, Bungie strongly supports the efforts of our community to produce non-commercial content using video images, footage, music, sounds, dialogue, or other assets from our games subject to a few conditions and generally approves streaming or commentary through approved platforms like Twitch, YouTube, or Facebook. Bungie does reserve the right to enforce its intellectual property rights against infringers who violate the guidelines, which again, incorporate by reference the terms of use, which incorporate all those lines that are contradictory to the guidelines. We'll put that aside for a second. Section 30, Bungie permits players to create videos and Bungie permits players to upload gameplay videos to third-party video sharing services such as YouTube. Bungie specifically notes the sharing of videos that are primarily Bungie-created content, i.e. trailers, cutscenes, is not allowed and Bungie uses a vendor, CSC, to handle the DMCA. YouTube's DMCA reporting form requires the reporting party to use a Google account if the reporting party processes DMCA requests via YouTube content management product, creator studio, or content manager. Now here I've said Bungie's playing fast and loose a little bit. I want to talk about YouTube for a second. Here's an area where Mike Dunford calls me out uh, because in my earlier video, one of the things I'd said is, yeah, anytime you see a Gmail address, you should look at that askance. You should look at it askance in your email. You should look at it askance anywhere you find it. Here, as alleged in paragraph 35, if this is accurate from Bungie, where they say, if you want to use YouTube's fancy stuff, their studio or manager, you have to be logged in with a Gmail account to actually issue a DMCA takedown notice. That is absolutely crazy that YouTube effectively requires the use of one of the easiest email addresses to spoof in order to, I don't know, have people use their products and services more. This is that corporate 
head eating the corporate tail and killing some of the value of the services it provides because they want synergy or something like that. So first of all, mea culpa, I never would have assumed that YouTube would require specifically a Gmail address for use of DMCA takedown notices with some of their higher end uh, service software. But here we are. Bungie says that's what happens. That's why they say CSC actually runs a Gmail account for this purpose with either a real or a fake name itself. Uh, And they use that to actually issue takedown notices through the YouTube setup because that's what YouTube requires. That is a crazy set of facts for me. I'm very glad to be informed by these things. We grow from mistakes and figuring out new and interesting facts in the world. Never would have guessed that in a million years. So thank you, Bungie, for putting this in the lawsuit document. Uh, Thank you, Mike, for calling me out on it. We can always grow from learning. That said, this is crazy. And YouTube should honestly look at it because it's not worth it uh, to require what amounts to easily spoofable emails uh, to be used in your takedown process. At no point does CSC issue takedown notices on YouTube uploads related to Destiny without specific approval from Bungie's legal department. We saw that. On or about March 2nd, At Bungie's direction, CSC initiated a series of DMCA takedowns, 41 in total, relating to infringing content that had been uploaded to YouTube. All 41 early March takedowns related to music from Destiny 2's original soundtrack. Upon information and belief, YouTube's actions in response to the early March takedowns, i.e. they were taken down, were complete on or about March 16th, 2022. And here really is where I start to get a little bit agitated, right? So they have 41 takedowns. They know they're hitting the music. Then on the 20th, when they know at least a significant portion of the people that are upset at them are these music channels and people focusing on music, they say these actions are not being taken at the request of Bungie or our partners. That's why I asked the question because it didn't check out at this breadth, at this level. And yet Bungie pretty much hid the ball here until this week at Bungie, until this lawsuit document. 41 is not an insubstantial amount. And then the rest of March happens. So I do have to say, I do find their tweet to be unuseful and a little bit of gamesmanship. uh, And I don't think that that's the appropriate way to communicate with your most fervent fans. Section three, Doe defendants retaliatory attack on the Destiny community. Upon information and belief, Doe defendants were among the YouTubers whose videos received legitimate DMCA takedowns as part of the early March takedowns. Upon information and belief, the email address connected with the DMCA takedown notices that impacted Doe defendants accounts was the David Thompson email. Beginning on or about March 17th, so the day after they think the takedown process in the first half of March ended, Doe defendants began submitting unauthorized DMCA takedown notices to YouTube for videos that allegedly infringed Bungie's copyrights. Upon information and belief, Doe defendants identified themselves as Bungie Inc. when submitting some or all of the fraudulent takedown notices. That'll be important because they're going to claim a trademark issue here. Doe defendants had no authority to submit any of the fraudulent takedown notices. And then you see reference to some of the bigger ones that were hit. My name is Bife. Obviously, the reason that we started this video series in the first place, Aztec Ross, The Phoenix, Promethean, Archival Mine. I think that's, I think that's one YouTuber, uh, but they mentioned them here. And then they say again, thanks to YouTube's easily gamed reporting system, the attack was a success and videos were removed. And YouTubers given copyright strikes under YouTube rules threaten the future viability of their YouTube channels on the basis of the fraudulent takedown notices. Upon information and belief, Doe defendants disseminated misinformation via an email from the fraudulent address Jeremy Weiland. That's the one that I was talking about in my earlier video. In this email, Doe defendants claimed falsely that the legitimate agent's address, David, had been issuing false takedowns for years, causing confusion among recipients of legitimate DMCA notifications and calculated to cause the recipients of legitimate takedown notices to file inappropriate copyright counter notifications with YouTube. In fact, because counter notifications require you to give certain information back the initial takedown requester, one wonders if that isn't a whole part of what was being done by these fraudulent folks to go get those emails and then disseminate this information just caused more havoc as part of naming what is apparently an official account to issue these takedown notices. In fact, if you remember, one of the lines is don't trust Gmail accounts and make just trouble for Bungie all over the place. Section 52, Doe defendants filed a fraudulent DMCA notice targeting their own YouTube channel purportedly on behalf of Bungie using that fraudulent alias, which is interesting. It's unclear to me how this is a Doe lawsuit, which indicates that they don't know who it is, that they filed against their own YouTube channel. That would suggest that they do, in fact, know who it is. So that's a little bit unclear to me, but that's section 52 here. Paragraph 53, Doe defendants filed a fraudulent copyright counter notice with YouTube claiming that both the legitimate and the fraudulent copyright notifications were fraudulent. So using this as a cover, 
they then combated the other legitimate, according to Bungie, takedown notifications that they received. Then Bungie goes and talks about what we've talked about in public. The community impact. Doe defendants' attacks sent shockwaves through the Destiny community. Content creators described the chilling effect the false takedowns had on their own work, saying, I'm scared to make new Destiny videos, let alone keep the ones I've already made up, and I'm just worried that my channel is gone forever because of this. As one community member explained, some of the people running these channels used their main accounts for this, couldn't take the risk. Just unlisting videos doesn't protect them from strikes at all. It was self-delete or get permanently blacklisted by Google. Now, the weird thing about this, and again, we have to call this out because it doesn't change the fact that if everything is as described, Bungie was negatively affected and deserves legal redress, is that they are playing fast and loose with some of this stuff. So if we look at these quotes and you then look at the footnotes where they include them, most of them either lead back to separate tweets, which aren't properly archived and these links don't actually work, or to a Reddit discussion called, it's time to say goodbye to all the sunset tracks, which as you can probably guess, is about the music strikes, which are the things that Bungie says are valid. For those of you who have not heard yet, Promethean, Breshi, and other Destiny music archivists just got hit with copyright strikes from Bungie. In response, they are deleting all Destiny content from their channels. Never again will we be able to listen to music that has been removed from the game, especially the seasonal tracks that were never a part of an OST. Now you can see why Bungie reacts in there this week at Bungie by saying, okay, we're going to make archiving okay. We're going to change some of this language. But as far as the lawsuit goes, combining the notions that people were upset about what the valid strikes, according to Bungie, are, and trying to intimate that that's all related to Doe defendant's attack immediately raises my at least yellow flags and says, what are you doing? And part of this is that they can't actually unwind what's real and not real in March. And so they're just saying that it's all that, even while they admit to 41 separate takedowns on primarily music sites. And the primary thing that was being discussed in this Reddit post that they use as the substance of their particular claims here. I'm not saying that the fraudulent takedowns didn't affect things. My name is Bife, got everybody's attention. That's why I did a video. That's the legitimate kind of argument here. When you combine it with the music stuff that you say is okay, then you start to get more and more issues. So again, I think the overall thrust of this section is probably fine. Some of the examples they chose to use, everything that links back to that are a little bit suspect because of what they've already admitted doing in early March. They say the fraudulent takedown notices and their aftermath also garnered significant media attention from Games Industry Biz, GameSpot, PC Gamer, Forbes, and even German web portal WinFuture, which is a, a useful site, certainly. Uh, but here we have again, was that all just the fraudulent takedown notices? Was it only the big folks? Was it as well the fact that all these music sites have been taken down? If we don't separate those out, it becomes a little bit harder to actually make this case. Now we start talking specifically about the YouTube process. And if you've ever tried to talk to YouTube at all, this is going to ring true to you. And if you're not Bungie or another $4 billion corporation, you're going to see exactly where you would fall off and never get heard from again, right? So let's talk. March 18th, 2022, when the first complaints about the takedown notices began coming to Bungie's attention, Bungie's deputy general counsel, so this is, this is vice president lawyer, the second lawyer in command, James Barker reached out to Bungie's brand protection team at CSC to inquire about a suspicious takedown targeting as to cross that was described via social media. I apologize in advance for the pronunciation. Please leave your comments below explaining to me how I should have said it. By email, roughly half an hour later, so they're moving fast. This is fast for corporate speak. CSC responded that it had no such record, and then they confirmed that they had no record of ever doing this. This is all happening on March 18th. Mr. Barker, remember, vice president lawyer, then forwarded the image of the takedown from the user, noting the oddity of the fact that the notice indicated that the content was removed by Bungie when any removals handled by CSC would not have used that language and Bungie had not authorized anyone else to issue takedowns. That's when you get flagged a lot on this kind of stuff. CSC issued a retraction notice requesting reinstatement of the video, but on Monday, March 21st, it reported that YouTube had denied the retraction request because the retraction notice was not sent from the same email that had issued it. Here we are in the loop of causality, right? So if you actually get YouTube to take something down because all they ask of you is the information that the DMC requires, they take it down, it is very difficult for a different email address to actually say, nah, that's wrong, put it back up. That YouTube has been incentivized by the US legislature to effectively say, no, man, we don't know. You're just some guy coming to us and saying that it should go back up. Our job, the incentives that Congress has put before us is to essentially ignore everything that isn't in the normal pipeline. 
So YouTube is responding to those incentives. That doesn't mean they're acting properly here and they are too opaque by far. And I can certainly attest to that being a YouTube content creator myself. But here you see YouTube say, oh, no, that's not the same email. We're not doing anything. In the interim, the nature of Doe defendant's impersonation of Bungie had become clear. And Bungie had reached out to YouTube to try to address the issue, including on Saturday, March 19th, under the direction of Bungie's legal team. Bungie's social media manager reached out to the account representative for Bungie's YouTube channel, Walker Adamson, which is a kind of position that you don't even get if you're too small of a channel. We've got what? We've got 58, almost 1,000 subscribers here. We don't have an account representative. You have to get to a certain size to even be represented in that way. So Bungie's pulling on a different lever. Okay, if we can't talk to you directly, if we can't get that actually removed, CSC is locked off. We're going to start pulling on different relationships that we might have with YouTube. First, the account representative. Bungie also informed Adamson that it had confirmed that it was a malicious impersonator and asked for Google's assistance identifying Doe defendants and next steps to prevent the attack from continuing or recurring. Here you will see a continuing thread of we want to know who these people are, Google and YouTube, and Google and YouTube basically saying no. Now that might sound bad because Bungie has a good case here. We know what they've presented. We've seen them acting out in social media. We see what has happened and the story makes sense to us. But I would ask from a legal perspective, in general, if you want YouTube and Google to just be delivering your personal information to someone because they asked and because they tell a nice story. So in my opinion, YouTube and Google is basically doing the right thing here saying, okay, we understand you're angry. We understand that you want this information. We aren't just going to hand out personal data for a number of reasons, not the least of which is could be violating some laws, right? We've got all sorts of data protection policies in place. They have their own privacy protection policy in place, and we can't just hand this stuff out. Or in law and order terms, come back with a warrant, right? And Bungie's obviously not law enforcement. YouTube, we will see as part of this story, is going to say, come back with a lawsuit and look at what we've got. Section 72, 10 minutes later, after receiving an out-of-office notification from Mr. Adamson, so he's not available, Bungie's social media manager passed the same message along to Magali Huat, Google's head of games publishers. It's always nice if you can pull on these particular relationships, right? The head of games publishers at Google. Folks that I couldn't ask to help, certainly. I would be willing to bet that most content creators can't ask them to help either. An hour later, having received still no response, so people aren't answering their emails within 10 minutes, within a half hour, within very short periods of time, indicating a couple of things. One, Bungie is very adamant about this being a big problem, and YouTube isn't that responsive to these kinds of things. I generally give big corporations more than an hour, but still, you can see that Bungie is getting upset about not getting an answer. Mr. Barker adds Bungie's legal department to the email conversation and CCs Bungie's general counsel, Don McGowan. So that's his boss. That's the lead lawyer at Bungie, indicating how serious of an issue the attack is. Mr. Barker also instructs Google to block any new DMCA reports that purported to be on Bungie's behalf until further notice. Look, YouTube, the least you can do is we're under attack right now. Don't take down anything that says it's us that's doing it. Upon information and belief in this lawsuit, they say Google did none of those things. Google did not stop anything. Google did not block these other people from doing these various things. Giving the benefit of the doubt to a company Google and YouTube size, left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing because they're not able to get in touch with anybody on the fly. Thus, on Sunday, March 20th, and having received no response, Mr. Barker emailed Ms. Huat to note that the situation was escalating and that a number of trusted streamers, including my name is Bife and Astacross, were receiving fraudulent takedown notices. This is when I get involved here in virtual legality. There's a number of other kind of communications. We finally get down to 40 minutes later. Having received still no response, it was the turn of Bungie's global franchise director to try to get some sort of response from Google regarding the spiraling platform. Thus, at 2.08 Pacific, Bungie's global finance director emails additional Google personnel, Luma Hamade, Jason Bentley, Kendra Johnson, and Andrew Conway, along with Ms. Huat, to reiterate that Bungie had a corporate impersonator who is doing damage to some of our trusted community streamers on YouTube. Now, this is all a long way of saying and illustrating for the court that YouTube was not picking up the phone during this very important time that was harming Bungie. Now, remember, Bungie isn't suing YouTube, but this is all going to be reported on in places like this and elsewhere that talks about Bungie lawsuits. They know that. They are trying to establish that they feel that YouTube has created a bad process. They've used a legal loophole to avoid anything that would require them to do anything for a company like Bungie or any other copyright holder. And they're going to tell the whole story in this complaint so that people can read it out, so that people can understand that YouTube's got a problem. Mr. Barker also reiterated again Bungie's request that Google block new takedown requests, restore any takedowns processed after March 16th, 
and obtain and provide any information on the Doe defendants and how they were able to accomplish their takedowns. This is one of the big issues here for them in respect of YouTube and how they're communicating with their community is that they do have this hard line that says these ones are bad, these ones are good, and they're not being terribly clear about how that's to be settled. And YouTube honestly is looking at that and saying, well, we don't want to get involved with which ones are fake and which ones are not. Obviously, they can go and look at the emails, which is ultimately what they will wind up doing. Uh, But YouTube is very, very slow to react to any of this. Ms. Johnson, YouTube's director of gaming publishers and commerce content partners, responded to ask whether the issue was that Bungie's channel had been compromised or only that it was being impersonated as part of the DMCA takedowns. Mr. Barker says it's just impersonation. Ms. Johnson responds that they will connect with the takedown notice team. And then it's already Monday the 21st when Ms. Huad of YouTube responds to Mr. Barker's email about the escalating situation to apologize for the delay and note that she was looping back in Mr. Adamson and they would get back to Bungie as quickly as possible. You have a little bit more here and they say Mr. Barker reiterated that the only people authorized to issue notices on YouTube were CSC, gave them two legitimate email addresses from which takedown notices from CSC might come. And then we're now we're down to the end of the day, 529, 8.09 p.m. And then on Tuesday, March 22nd at 1.17, having not received any promised update, Mr. Barker again asked for Google to speed up its response and provide critical information. He says, we need a couple of things urgently in order to mitigate harm to our community. A list of all the channels and uploads that were actioned by the two users who used the fraudulent email addresses so that we can request reinstatement. A list of all channels and uploads that have been actioned purportedly on behalf of Bungie and the email addresses attached to those actions. What you are able to do in order to make sure that takedowns on YouTube that are on behalf of Bungie are by only approved set of email addresses we give you. And what you are able to provide about the identities of the users who have actioned on behalf of Bungie as these threat actors are causing active harm to CSC's reputation and to ours and have threatened employees at CSC. At 3.18, now on March 22nd, Google provides an update. It has terminated the accounts that submitted the fraudulent requests and all fraudulent submissions would be reversed, but Google would not share any information identifying who the fraudulent users were, including channel identifiers, email addresses, or other identifying information without a law enforcement request or civil process. Go get a warrant. And YouTube and Google probably aren't super enthused about that themselves, but they're trying to comport with the law and not hand out personal information, not hand out data. So they say, come back with a process that can actually subpoena us, that has a warrant to get this kind of stuff, whatever it might be, and then we can give it to you. Fortunately, says Bungie, for the people whose videos were targeted by the fraudulent takedown notices, Bungie has the financial resources to begin that civil process in order to meet Google's requirements. And here I think Bungie is doing a fundamentally good thing, right? It's going to take copyright holders to bring these kinds of suits, to talk about YouTube's process in this way, to help protect creators of all stripes. That said, it's also to their benefit, of course, they want to see these things policed properly. And we will see what, if anything, actually comes out of this with respect to the YouTube process itself. Section five, Doe defendant's confession and harassment of CSC. While Bungie's legal department, management, and executives were attempting to negotiate the Byzantine procedural labyrinth Google required before it would address the fraud its users were committing, let alone identify who its fraudsters were, Doe defendants themselves were gloating, confessing, and threatening. Over that weekend, the Damien Reynolds account began sending threatening emails to CSC with the subject line, you're in for it now, and telling CSC better start running, the clock is ticking. At 12.41 a.m. on Monday the 21st, Damian Reynolds emailed the David Thompson CSC account the following, Hope striking everyone's content was worth it, asshat. You've now got Bungie's full attention. You really ought to grow up and get a life instead of tormenting people from behind a screen like an effing coward. Little censorship from me there. If I were you, I'd delete my Google account right now because Bungie and probably even Google are going to come after you hard. Now, this is odd, right? We talked about the kind of weirdness manifesto nature of the email that we looked at in our earlier video. But at least by substance here, this suggests that the person emailing this really does think that David Thompson is a fake account and that they're going to do the same thing that David Thompson is doing so that people can be made aware of how fake accounts work. It doesn't actually suggest that CSC are the ones doing this, except for the earlier threat to CSC directly is, you know, the clock is ticking. This is listed as a threatening email to CSC. One wonders if it isn't to this account as well. And it's all too difficult to actually piece apart uh, here without knowledge of the individuals in question. But it is very 
odd. That continues, of course, through the manifesto, which is the defined term that the Bungie legal team has decided to use for the letter. I don't really disagree with that characterization. You see, I'm not employed by CSC. I have no affiliation with Bungie. The same applies to David Thompson, which Bungie has indicated is wrong. David Thompson has also been issuing false takedowns for years, and Bungie believes that this is part of a ploy, effectively, to make sure that everything is confused about the takedowns that they have otherwise issued, which leads us to their specific legal claims, some of which are stronger than others, but we'll talk about them all. The first cause of action is a DMCA 512F fraudulent notice. So they say we hold all these copyrights. While Bungie is not aware of all of the takedown notices, upon their information and belief, each alleged infringement was an alleged infringement of content for which Bungie has the copyright or for which only Bungie is capable of registering copyright. It's not whoever issued the takedown notices. Bungie did not authorize Doe defendants to submit DMCA notices on its behalf. Doe defendants had no right to submit the notices. And at least some of the content that was subject to the fraudulent takedown notices was not infringing because upon information and belief, it complied with Bungie's intellectual property policy. And here we go. And therefore, the YouTubers who posted it did so under license from Bungie. Now, this is important terminology for a number of reasons. One of which is because anytime they would try to say that this isn't actually a license or that you have to read this as against that and if you comply with the guidelines, we're still going to do these various things, has to be killed immediately. So everything I say here, right, regardless of the trap or not, how you feel about it, whether you're on Hoag's side or Dunford's side or whatever, you now have a legal document filed by Bungie that characterizes this combination of documents. Regardless of the fact that this document itself says it should not be interpreted as permission, as a license to YouTubers, that if they are complying with that, they have a license to create derivative works, regardless of what their terms of use say. So this is very, very, very useful. And folks that create content uh, in the Destiny universe, in the Bungie universe, should be clipping section 104 from this complaint document and saving it in a file folder on their computer should they need to use it at some point in the future. When I said earlier that everything I just talked about didn't matter, it was because of this. It was because Bungie has admitted in court that these documents, regardless of how they actually read and reasonable minds can differ, they are saying that they have licensed the right to create those derivative works. So they're not infringing, even though every little bit of this actual document suggests that they're not licensing anything, they're not giving permission, and that everything is infringement and they're just telling you when they're not going to enforce infringement against you. Regardless, this section exists and that's going to be very useful to content creators. That's one of the big ticket items in this document from where I'm sitting. Upon information and belief, Doe defendants knew they had no right to submit the notices. Upon information and belief, Doe defendants knew that the contents of the videos they were targeting were either non-infringing or not in violation of Bungie's guidelines. Here again, we have this kind of confusion as to what the heck they even wrote internally from their own legal team, right? Okay, it's non-infringing, even though I say it's infringing, right? Because you say that no permission is granted here. No permission is granted in the terms of use document. The terms of use document says a whole host of things that would prevent that permission or license from going out. And so I say it's infringement and Bungie's just telling you when they're not going to enforce the infringement against you. They say, okay, it's either non-infringing, which is what we say up here in 104, but we understand that, you know, maybe folks can be confused. Reasonable minds can differ. Even lawyers can differ on this or simply not in violation of the guidelines. But if you have to account for simple non-infringement and non-in-violation of the guidelines, it means that this non-in-violation of Bungie's guidelines is impliedly infringement, which creates a certain amount of problem when you say that it's a 17 U.S.C. Section 512F issue. They say the fraudulent takedown notices were based on knowing and material misrepresentations in violation of 512F. But if we go and we look at 512F, which is one of those areas where I've said in the virtual legality in the past, it's, it's almost toothless uh, because of all of these standards, knowingly and materially is, is very, very high, that the situation you find yourself in is you've got to try to bring this claim as Bungie on one of these two bases. A person who knowingly and materially misrepresents under this section that a material or activity is infringing. Well, I've just spent three episodes here in virtual legality telling you that I think that when you create something, regardless of the guidelines, it's likely infringing unless you fall under a different fair use category. Can you actually say that any given person would be able to know materially that these given videos were not infringing? Now, obviously, this section should include something about falsifying aspects of the notice 
but it doesn't, right? You have to be a person who knowingly materially misrepresents under the section that the material is infringing or that the material was removed or disabled by mistake, which is the opposite, where you go and you tell someone that was a mistake, put it back up. That can get you into trouble here under section F as well. But is it infringing? That's not actually the same as do we have the authority to make a notice under the DMCA. Now, do I think they should be able to work within the DMCA framework to say, well, there's there's that perjury claim there and there's these various other things here that suggest that we should be able to get some redress for fraud? I do, but it's not the easiest kind of fit for just a 512F claim because is it infringing? Even they can't guarantee that it's not infringing, see, or not in violation of Bungie's guidelines is not something that DMCA 512F addresses. They don't really talk about Bungie's intellectual property guidelines at all. It's just about whether it's infringing. Now, of course, you can also read into that particular portion of the law that what they mean is that it's infringing and you own it. They don't quite say that. And that's a badly written law. The DMCA has all sorts of potholes and should be looked at very carefully by our legislative betters, but it's just not happening. And so you get these kinds of weird fits. I don't blame Bungie for making this claim at all. I think you do go into court and talk to the judge and say, look, it's obviously intended to mean it's infringing on your rights, not just generically infringing. We don't allow people to issue takedown notices for anything else that they see. You can't go on to Etsy and take down everybody's uh, little Mickey Mouse oven mitts. You're not Disney. And yet the law doesn't quite read that way. Moreover, upon information and belief, at least some of the Doe defendants relying on the confusion caused by their fraudulent activity also filed knowingly false counter notices challenging the legitimacy of their valid DMCA notices. Now that's interesting in and of itself because Bungie is claiming that those counter notices are deliberately fraudful and we don't have enough to go on there, right? It's very possible. We've seen it all over YouTube that content holders, copyright holders are too aggressive with their use of DMCA takedowns. So this is effectively not really properly alleged above because we don't know what they even counter noticed on. We can't adjudge that for ourselves. Again, not blaming Bungie here, but while this might seem like the slam dunk and that you can say, hey, there's fraud happening here. The actual language of 512 makes it a little bit more difficult to just say that that is what is happening. The second cause of action, also a little bit weird. Bungie is the owner of the US trademark Bungie. We know this. And trademarks are separated from copyright, right? Copyright is the artistic material. It's the whole thing. It's the book. It's the video game code, whatever it is. Trademarks are marks used in commerce to identify the source of a good or service. Here, they try to get a little bit interesting. They say YouTube is a service, as that term is used in the Trademark Act. YouTube's DMCA reporting system is a service, as that term is used. Submission of a DMCA takedown notice to YouTube in the act impacts interstate commerce and therefore is commercial activity. And by submitting the fraudulent notices to YouTube with the name Bungie attached, Doe defendants used the Bungie mark in connection with a service and Doe defendants use of the Bungie mark was likely to, and in fact did cause confusion and mistake and was likely to, and did in fact deceive as to the association of Doe defendants with Bungie and as to Bungie sponsorship or approval of the submission of the fraudulent takedown notices. Now, why this is weird is because they tell you that YouTube is a service, that YouTube's DMCA takedown notices are a service, and then they say Bungie is affixing their name to the use of that service. But the Trademark Act doesn't work that way. It's identifying the service itself, right? Where do you get in trouble in the Trademark Act? Any person who in connection with any goods or services uses in commerce any word, term, or et cetera, et cetera, that is false or misleading representation of fact is likely to cause confusion, gets into trouble. But that's not exactly what's happening here, right? In this particular scenario, it would be putting a bungee header on the takedown notice itself would be the attribution of bungee to the notice. YouTube being commercial activity is YouTube's. It's not actually associating the bungee name with trying to put a service out into the market. So it's a very unusual, perhaps clever kind of argument here to say that what the fraudsters did is to make YouTube in commerce think that the takedown notice as its own product, goods, or services was in fact bungees, and that is a trademark infringement. Don't know how that'll work out for them. Uh, maybe Mr. Dunford will know, but it does seem like an unusual kind of claim here to try to get into another ambit of the law. 
In addition, Doe defendants have admitted that they were aware of the fraudulent nature of their conduct and acted willfully. I mean, like, that's what's going to get you. This is why we talked about it in the earlier video. It's practically a confession in that manifesto letter. So when we talk about it, yeah, they've got all sorts of problems because in general, the court will find a way to punish that kind of thing, regardless of the cleverness or lack of it in some of these particular claims. The third cause of action is just straight up copyright infringement. They say, by submitting the fraudulent takedown notices, Doe defendants infringed Bungie's rights under 17 U.S.C. 106 to authorize the public display and performance of its copyrighted works, and the infringement was willful as, as evidenced by the manifesto. So here's one that we talk about a lot, right? This is the Copyright Act. This is what it does. This is the operational section where somebody that creates something gets the exclusive right to reproduce it, prepare derivative works, to distribute those works, to perform them, to display them, etc. And here, Bungie has to argue that they authorized the public display and performance of those works and that by taking them down, their rights were infringed upon. I, again, think this is a very interesting kind of clever argument. You unfortunately find yourself back in this land, which is if you don't believe that Bungie actually licensed the rights here and that everything was effectively infringement from the off, then Bungie didn't actually permit these companies to do this thing. It's just that they didn't otherwise cause any kind of infringement problems for these particular actors. Now, I think this is potentially a good argument because they also have the right to effectively allow them, right? They have the right to authorize it, but they also have the right to not enforce an infringement action. Folks come into virtual legality here all the time and say, well, can you just do that? Can you just pick and choose who you enforce copyright against? And the answer is yes. Trademark has other issues going on. If somebody's diluting your trademark, if they're doing other things, you kind of have to police that and go after it. Copyright is different. Copyright, you can say, hey, I don't want to do anything against you, but I don't like you. So I'm going to do something against you. So the law only says you have the exclusive rights to do and authorize. But implied in that law is you also have the exclusive rights to not do anything, even if it's otherwise infringing. So we get into some cool layered intellectual property questions here. Again, kind of a clever argument, but not as easy as just pointing to something and saying that's the law and it's clearly against it. Even though they do have a manifesto as they frame it, that says the infringement was willful. While as a general policy and in the absence of factors beyond simply an infringing upload, Bungie does not typically sue infringers whose uploads were the subject of a DMCA notice, Doe defendants' malicious conduct in filing the fraudulent takedown notices is more than enough in Bungie's judgment to qualify as an additional factor warranting an infringement suit for any infringement that was the subject of a legitimate DMCA notice. This is interesting because I don't think this actually has uh, much legal weight to it other than explaining what their other kind of policies are. They're also explaining to the public that don't expect that if we just disagree with you on something, if it's we've got an 80-20 rule in our media and we determine that you only use 19% of your own content, so we issue a takedown or we claim the video or whatever else we're going to do, don't think that that means we're going to sue you. This is a special circumstance, but it doesn't actually change much of their claim in this section. Business defamation, I think, is a potentially good one. Doe defendants' fraudulent takedown notices included the false claim that the fraudulent takedown notices were submitted either by or on behalf and with the authorization of Bungie. Doe defendants made that false claim with actual knowledge that in implementing a DMCA takedown, YouTube would pass along that false assertion to the targeted YouTubers. And upon our information and belief, Doe defendants made that false claim with the intent that the targeted YouTubers would report it to their subscribers, followers, and friends that Bungie had taken down their videos and or channels with those defendants' intent to cause anger and consternation at Bungie within the Destiny community so as to get Bungie's attention and or to stop Bungie from sending future legitimate takedown notices against the Doe defendants' own illegally uploaded content, which again, we have to assume is accurate for purposes of Bungie's claim here, but we don't actually know that. So if it's necessary for what they're saying here, it's something that we would have to question and figure out who these guys actually were. Fifth clause of action, violation of the Washington Consumer Protection Act. This is kind of the more generic unfairness kind of claim. Doe defendants have engaged in unfair and deceptive acts by fraudulently impersonating Bungie to issue false takedown notices. This is that kind of equitable law that we talked about with respect to so many California cases that says, okay, this is clearly not something that we want. We can't anticipate every bad thing that could possibly occur. We, so we don't have anything that's directly on point. We've got those other four causes of action that are maybe a little bit adjacent to what might be an easier legal claim. But obviously, your honor, we've got problems and this is something that the world should be against. Section 144, Doe Defendant's Manifesto, in effect, is calculated to discredit the authenticity of takedown notices legitimately issued by Bungie's authorized brand protection personnel by claiming falsely that DMCA notices issued by the authorized vendor were also fraudulent. 
Though Defendant's Manifesto has already resulted in confusion among the creator community, causing at least one recipient of a legitimate copyright notice to file a copyright counter notice on the improper basis that the authorized brand protection agent was otherwise. Now, that might be the case. It might also be the case that they think that the particular takedown notice was overzealous. Presumably, they're in communications with this particular person, but we don't know the full story there other than what Bungie tells us. Section 146, moreover, there is a strong public interest in protecting creators and businesses from bad actors, impersonating and misrepresenting them in the marketplace in order to fraudulently exploit their intellectual property rights to the detriment of the true rights holders and other parties. There's a public interest in stopping bad behavior. And that's often going to work, in my opinion, in a case like this. Finally, we have breach of contract, which is a pretty slam dunk type thing. The LSLA prohibits users from copying, reproducing, distributing, displaying, or using any part of Destiny 2 except as expressly authorized by Bungie. And upon information and belief, Doe defendants display and use of Destiny 2 to create the content that was subject of a valid takedown request was not expressly authorized by Bungie. So this has nothing to do with the rest of everything. This is saying that their counter takedown or anything else, the initial impetus behind taking down their videos in early March was valid. And so now at this point with everything else going on, we're going to sue them because we are really agitated at these particular users of our content. And that's this lawsuit. Bungie put its money where its mouth was. And certainly some interesting new facts, YouTube requiring Gmail addresses to use their fancy uh, copyright takedown systems is super interesting to me. Terrible from YouTube. Bungie having as much trouble as any of us might otherwise in getting YouTube's attention, getting YouTube to pay attention to absolutely anything that we might have a problem with. And they're referring to this document that says nothing in these guidelines should be interpreted as permission as a license is a silver bullet. Content creators should be thrilled that they just put that out in a public document after seemingly working so hard to put documents together that make it as difficult as possible to actually make that claim to Bungie if push came to shove. Now you've got a legal document that says that on your behalf. And so that's where we sit as of right now. Again, I'm very eager to see exactly what Bungie decides to change in its intellectual property guidelines and potentially its terms of use. I would love nothing more than to see those documents unified into something that anybody doesn't need to watch virtual legality can understand because knowing where the lines are, knowing what the license is, knowing that you're not infringing on day one is just so darn important. And certainly Bungie throughout this whole process has evidenced that they have care for their community. So I'd like to see that continue to go forward as they have with bringing the lawsuit in the first place and making sure those documents are just the very best that they can be. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed this, please consider supporting the channel. We can't do deep dives into lawsuits and talk about all these various statutes and other fun things without support from viewers and listeners like you. So if you enjoy talking about video games, technology, software, pop culture, and more through the lens of business and law, please do consider supporting a Patreon. There are other ways to support. There's Super Chats. There's all sorts of good stuff you can do for the channel. Otherwise, if you just want to subscribe, ring the bell, upvotes, downvotes, leave comments, tell me how silly I am on something or how great I am on another thing. Every piece of engagement makes YouTube happy. And we know now it's really the only way to make YouTube happy. The algorithm or bust, we're never going to get in touch with a human being at YouTube. So help out virtual legality. If you did catch this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.